is the color? Welcome to another episode of the FPL Blues Podcast. I am John Bucks, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Brian Chin. Ahoy, John. Tonight is the night we go to the Strike Force. Yes, that's right, Brian. In this episode, we are going to evaluate the frontline goal scorers in the Premier League and their FPL values. So we're going to dive into our personal strategies regarding forwards in the FPL game. We're also going to discuss the FPL price points and grade the value of strikers from Super Harry Kane all the way down to budget bench fodder options you can get on the cheap. Before we get into it, we do want to just pause and quickly break down how FPL scoring works for frontline forward players. Brian, why don't you leave this one? So you have to fill your team with three players who are classified as forwards. Each of these forwards earns four points for a goal and three points for an assist. As forwards are generally kind of strictly attacking players, they receive no points for keeping a clean sheet with their team. However, since they are very clinical, if they do score a goal, their baseline bonus is very high. So you'll see a lot of six to nine pointers for your forwards throughout the season. So now that we've covered how forwards score points, Let's touch base with Bucks to see what his strategy is on how to best set up the front line this season. Awesome. So this year, I'm going to play pretty close to the strategy that I had last season. In general, I think that the budget forwards offer the least value versus the defenders and midfield budget options. So I'm going to lean to play a 4-4-2 or 3-4-3 lineup this season. Now, what that means is that I want my forwards to all get regular playing time leading the line for their teams. So I'm not going to have any players that are going to be, you know, just kind of super subs as options on my forward line. And that means I'm going to be selecting three relatively middle-priced forwards, and hopefully I'm going to pick the right ones to pour in the goals at the right times this season. How about you, Brian? Yeah, you know, as noted on other price preview pods, I'm aiming to run a 3-4-3 this season, so three playing forwards who are actively starting every game is essential for me. And with Kane's future still up in the air, I think I'm going to start with three kind of mid-price forwards and have another two or three on my early season watch list so I can figure out which forwards are doing the business early. So I'm happy for these kind of uh, players to just trickle in the points, and I probably won't give them the armband that often. Later in the season, once we have you know more information on Kane, I might change my strategy. So now we're going to take a quick break and we'll come back in to dive into the forward price reveals featuring the man in a league of his own, Harry Kane. We'll be right back. And we're back. As Brian mentioned, we're going to dive into the striker price reveals right now, starting with a man who needs no introduction, Harry Kane, who is priced at $12.5 million. And he is just by far and away clearly the best striker in the game. And he's priced that way. He is truly in a league of his own entering this season. Brian, give us your veteran take here. I mean, Kane is a FPL legend. He's coming off a spectacular season where he won both the Golden Boots and the Golden Creator, Golden Assist Award for leading the league in both those categories. He finished with 23 goals and 14 assists tune up 242 FPL points. He actually saw a price rise of over 2 million this season and is now super premium, uh, tied with Mohamed Salah for the most expensive player in the game. He's been very reliable for the Spurs and showed his true class 
in partnership with Sun year in and year out and was the front man for England at the Euros. He's a stud. He gets so many shots. He led the Premier League in shots taken last year with 137. He's just the ultimate asset to own. If he's on City, for example, he will be a steal at 12.5 million because he's going to be a assist and goal scoring machine there as well. Because right now, so many defenses just key in on him and they still can't stop him. So I'm very bullish if he moves that he'll be a, a great asset this year as well. What are you thinking here, Bucks? Yeah, I echo this sentiment. Harry Kane is just, he's automatic. He's going to get you tons of points. He is a top goal scorer, no matter the competition. He dominated Euros. He had a bunch of goals for England. He really just willed Spurs to have a positive season. Him and Sonny Boy together just had massive games in real life and for FPL. So he had 242 FPL points last season. But more importantly, I think he's just Mr. Reliable, and he's going to play. He's going to you know, fight through these little injuries and give it a go for full 90. And I think it will be interesting to see if he ends up on City, how his you know, mentality about playing every minute clashes with Pep's rotation strategy. Mm-hmm. So that will be very interesting to look out for if and when that transfer does go through. And I think something just to look out for is if we do find out that Kane does make a move to Man City, I think there's going to be a flood of FPL managers who are going to have to basically transform the way that they're thinking about setting up their team and what their strategy is. Because as Brian mentioned, I think if he does end up playing in the light blue for Manchester City, he's going to be a must own. He's going to be pretty much an every week captain option. Uh, City have been so dominant the last couple seasons, and they really pour on the goals. So we might be thinking that $12.5 million for Kane is actually a steal, uh, depending on the circumstances around him opening the season. For him personally, he's been so dedicated to Spurs all these years, and that organization has just failed him a little bit, and he really deserves better. He's such a, a classy guy, and it'll be very interesting to see if he does go to Man City you know, how his relationship with Pep evolves. We've already seen in the Euros that his relationship with Sterling looks really great. So that could be a bright future for both of those players in FPL coming up this season. You know, he wants to play every minute, but maybe Pep will get him some rest from time to time. And I think that's not necessarily the worst thing for FPL because if he does get rested, he's not going to come in and play a single minute. Brian, one last thing. I, I've, I've actually changed. I thought for sure he was going to City. I think right now I'm probably closer to 50-50, stays and goes. If you had to put a number percentage on it, what would you say your feeling is? Is he going to City or is he staying at Spurs? You know, I thought the transfer would have happened already, to be honest. But since England had such a late run in the Euros, I think um, the focus, obviously, for the entire country has, was on that, that tournament. So right now I would say maybe... 65% chance that he leaves, but a very strong likelihood that he stays. Levy, as an owner, doesn't really want to see him move within the Premier League, and I think that's something that is noteworthy when you're deciding and thinking about the types of teams that he could go to. Uh, what would you put that over-under number at there, Bucks? Yeah, I, I agree with you. I thought it would be done already. I thought it was pretty much 90-10 that he was leaving, but I think you realize that there's financial issues with the top teams in La Liga, and there really aren't too many other premier clubs that could splash this kind of money. 
And like you said, Levy doesn't want to see him go to a Premier League side in all preference. And if City aren't willing to, you know, just back up the Brinks truck, we like to say in America, then uh, it's going to be interesting to see if this move actually goes through. So I'm closer to 50-50. I would actually say probably now I'm like 40-60 thinking that he's going to stay. So that's my take. Uh, I think we can move on. We'll wait and see. One of us will be right. One of us will be wrong. I think probably Brian's more likely to be correct that he will move uh, just because money money talks. Again, it's, it's up in the air. I think there's a lot of uncertainty about the transfer windows and deals that looked like they were shoo-ins to happen now seem like they're more in question as the season approaches. Yeah, definitely. And from a Spurs perspective, like if they sell Harry Kane, who are they replacing him with? What are they using this money with uh, to bring in a replacement? I'm just a little bit worried about just their potential to actually sell him and then only have a couple of weeks to spend that money again and bring in some talent. So at this point, it's a, it's a wait and see, but we're definitely keeping an eye on the transfer market every day there. So now let's head into some of the other premiums from the 10.5 to $8.5 million range. Let's talk about the Vardy party. Bucks, this guy's done it year in and year out in the Premier League. What do you think he has in store this season? Yeah, good shout. Vardy actually got a $0.5 million price rise coming into this season. And perception doesn't always equal reality. I think that if you would have asked me to gauge rate his season last year, I would have said it was probably a down year for Vardy. However, he finishes up with 29 total returns, 15 goals and 14 assists, which is an incredible, incredible haul for most players. So he's really come into form. Leicester is the perfect side for him. And he's been a starling FPL asset for many seasons. But I do think he's starting to turn the corner to be more of a facilitator and, and get a lot of those goals through penalties. And listen, he's great at making those runs, and defense is really at the key on him. And I think the emergence of Iannaccio, who you know we affectionately like to call the Nacho Man, has, has really added this wrinkle to Vardy's ownership, where he might actually be a, a really strong differential. I think a lot of people are going to go either Kane and spend the money that way, or go cheaper. So there are definitely points in the season where Vardy is going to get hot. And owning him for that spurt is going to be, you're going to look like a genius FPL manager if you buy in at the right time. So, you know, the pessimist perspective is that Lester just signed another forward, kind of a younger player who plays a very similar style from what I've been reading to Vardy. But Vardy just churns in, he's a machine, he churns in those returns, and he's going to be well-rested. So, Brian, how, how are you feeling about Jamie Vardy this season? At 10.5 million, he's kind of at an awkward price point to get back to Kane. However, I do I do agree that he is one of those guys that is so talented and he's really done a great job developing his playmaking skills. He has the timing, he has the runs, but he's also, you know, paired up really nicely to uh complement Nacho towards the end of last season. So we're thinking that maybe the additional striker that Lester has added is just some insurance for down the line when they're kind of fading towards the end of the season, as we've seen the last two seasons, to try and get into Champions League, that they have another you know fresh pair of legs. With Madison and Barnes, again, being healthy, that, that really makes a huge difference. They missed that for the last 10 games last season, and it changed the perspective of their team. It'll be really fascinating to watch Vardy, Tielemans, Madison, Nacho, and Barnes all kind of clicking at once. 
So we'll see what their attack looks like, but they could, um, you know, actually land in the top four of the season. Yeah, I agree on that. One interesting wrinkle for FPL managers is the possibility of switching from really going relatively light on the forwards and then come your wild card going all in on the forward spot to double up Kane and Vardy next to each other. That's something that I'm definitely t- looking at as a potential option if I'm able to be patient with my wild card chip, which we'll discuss in a further podcast, how best to use those kind of bonus chip strategies. However, I think that could be a really interesting move down the road to really line up and transform the way that you've been thinking about lining up your team to really go big on the forwards. Because again, I think that there's going to be challenges if you don't go with Vardy or Kane from the jump. It's going to be hard to fit these guys in because of where they're priced. So the wild card really provides an interesting reset where you can actually go all in. You can go whole hog on the forward spot. So that's just (laughs) something to note. Anything else you want to add about Vardy before we move on, Brian? No, but your whole hog comment, uh, it's got me a little hungry. I'm thinking of some suckling pig rotating on the spit, a little barbecue sauce, maybe make some sliders. I should have eaten dinner before this, but... (laughs) <laughs> we'll 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 join the Vardy party later with our with our drinks and our suckling pig. <laughs> Sorry in advance to our kosher or halal listeners. <laughs> All right, next up is Abamyang, who oddly enough FPL Towers has deemed that he's actually a forward, and uh, last year was a mistake having him in the midfield section. So he comes in at ten million. And what are your thoughts here on Abamyang's prospects for the upcoming season at Arsenal, Bucks? So it's interesting because he's priced like a premium, but he's coming off probably his most inconsistent and one of his worst seasons in recent memory. And that being said, he still banged in double-digit goals. He had 10 goals and three assists, totaling 131 points. And, you know, that number would be higher if he was a forward. He probably would have earned some more bonus points. Again, he has the potential to have 20-plus goals in a season at Arsenal. We've seen it happen before. My concern is that he seems to have an awkward relationship with the manager, Miguel Arteta, and he's now actually 32, so he's not a spring chicken anymore. So I don't really love him at this price. He's not going to be on my short-term watch list. I think if it starts clicking for Arsenal, there are other players that are priced more attractively in a range that I can easily get them in. I don't see myself really changing my whole team philosophy to bring in Obama Yang. How about you, Brian? Yeah, Bucks, I just want to call you out because I think you called him Miguel Arteta, which is a shout out to our North American friends up here in uh, in Mexico, some Spanish there. Miguel Arteta and uh, Aubameyang don't get along quite as well. And, you know, he's 32 years old. He's going to be rotated a little bit more with Lacazette, with some of the, the likes of Pepe on the wing and um, some of their other forwards that they're trying to get more playing time in. So it'll be interesting to see what his ceiling is at Arsenal. He has had back-to-back 20-plus scoring efforts in the Premier League. So last year, he also had COVID. Um, He was away on international leave a couple times. He had some personal issues. So it was just an up-and-down year for him. So I'm very interested to see, again, this whole Arsenal squad is a little bit uh, more intriguing than I thought it was going into the FPL season. But I'm going to wait and see, and um, we'll go from there. Okay, next up is Roberto Firmino from Liverpool. He had a pretty lukewarm season, I think it's safe to say. You know, we we like to refer to him as Bobby Chompers. And I know, Brian, he's one of your your favorite players. 
to monitor and and also to uh, to kind of hate on a little bit. So what's your what's your take at the nine million price point for Roberto Firmino? You know, he flashes that that smile with those Bobby Chompers, gets me a little weak in the knees. But I think his knees are getting a little bit weak at this point in his career. He's 29 years old. <laughs> he looked a little bit out of form last year. He just played in the Copa with Brazil. And I think there's going to be a lot of times where we see Diogo Jota lining up in front of him. And he's going to be one of those super subs. You know, Obviously, a classy player. You respect him for his work rate. He can win the ball back, track back. You love that from a team perspective, but for FPL, maybe had a couple double-digit hauls last year, but not many to write home about. So there are so many other assets on Liverpool specifically that I would rather use that slot on. So for me, definitely a stay away, but he could be a fun guy to own on a free hit ship. Yeah, one quick thing, you know, we mentioned it about how forward score, but Firmino is one of those players who seems like he gets more assists than goals. He had nine goals with eight assists last season, which is a respectable tally. But if you are going to get bonus points as a forward, you really need to be the one scoring the goals. So I think that's something to remember regarding Firmino because he's not really as selfish as you'd want your FPL striker to be. Just something to take note of. Diego Jota, on the other hand, who we spoke about in an earlier podcast, is that selfish. And they kind of are fighting for one spot in the starting 11 for Liverpool. So We can move on to the next one, which is a player that I have huge respect for, but didn't have the best showing in his debut season, which is Timo Werner, and he's priced at $9 million. That's an understatement, Bucks. Yeah. Why why don't you start on Timo before I wax uh, affectionately about how he has so much upside? Yeah. I mean, I think a disappointing season for him, yet he was still part of a winning team that won the Champions League, and he had a lot of moments where... He was not very clinical and could have scored more goals, but the things that he did on the pitch to open up the passing lanes for Chelsea and get in the right positions, he still scored six goals and had eight FPL assists. He was taken down a number of times early on in the season. We were kind of hopeful that he could get his confidence up and just put him on pens, as a lot of elite strikers are, just to get his confidence going, but He had a a number of scuffed opportunities and didn't find his mojo really throughout the season. And obviously, you know, changing managers midway through. It was just a very up and down uh, first debut season out of the Bundesliga into the Premier League. And he really commented on how physical the defenses were all the way across every single team in the Premier League, which is much more different than that open style of play that the Bundesliga has. So ultimately, I still believe in his talent. And I think you do too, right, Bucks? Yeah, I I agree with what you're saying. I think he really found his form, his work rate, his speed. That's a unique combination in the Premier League. And I think we saw what it can do to give even the best defenses in the world fits uh, in the Champions League specifically. So I think he started in two finals. He's clearly trusted by Tuchel in the side. From a pessimist viewpoint, obviously the finishing needs a ton of work. His confidence was in shambles. But like we said, he did win the Champions League. He won. He got to hoist that trophy at a young age. My real concern is where he sets up tactically. He sets up out wide, and I think you want your you want to be betting on the centrally located guys for your striker position, and that's where Havertz, Kai Havertz, lines up for 0.5 million less. On the optimist side, which I am tend to be with Chelsea and ever optimist, it can't get worse for Timo. And even at his worst, he scored six goals and eight assists. 
And he probably should have had more like 12, 13 goals, even in this horrible season for him. So I just see that there's only up from here. And I think Chelsea are going to score a lot more goals this season. I don't just say that with my heart. I also see that from what I saw on the field to end last season, they were much more attack-minded under Tuchel. They pour guys forward, and that counter-attacking style really seemed to take hold. So I still believe in Timo for Chelsea, and I don't have that same confidence yet for FPL, but I think there is a chance we saw that he could be an FPL asset. I think he might end up, unfortunately, being a player like N'Golo Conte, who's just a better player in real life than they are for FPL purposes. So that's all I have to say about my boy, Timo. I have a friendly wager for entertainment purposes only with one of our good Chelsea friends who is really down on Timo. And I set his over-under for goals this season at 10.5. I'm taking the over. I see him scoring a dozen goals this season. So it's not going to be a repeat of last season. And there are brighter things for the Chelsea tech to come. So let's hope that that comes true. For, uh, for both of our sakes, Buck. All right, let me get in on that. All right, now we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come back with the Goldilocks price points, 8.5 to 7.5. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the FPL Blues podcast. Now we're going to start with our 8.5 to 7.5 price bracket for forwards. Bucks, you've called this the Goldilocks price point. I'm not sure what this means, but the first man... Cavani that we're going to talk about at 8.5 million does have some luscious locks. What are you seeing here with Cavani at Man U this season? Yeah, I named it this way because I actually think these are the best players for the price. I think this is great value. You're not going to have probably a golden boot winner in this group, but you're going to have guys that are going to have solid FPL returns and you're going to be saving some coin that you can then spread out through the rest of your team. So the first man here is Edison Cavani. He's 8.5 million. Great offseason to recover. And I think the preseason is going to be really helpful for him. He's an older player that came into the United side and yet still managed to click pretty much immediately into that number one striker role because obviously Martial got injured. But also he just had an immediate partnership with Bruno Fernandez, who's obviously the mainstay and kind of engine of this team. So without playing the full season, he still got 10 goals in 26 matches. You know, United have a favorable start to the season fixture-wise. And with the extra training time, I think Cavani is a great value. I think Cavani has the potential to be a dynamic duo with Bruno Fernandez in real life, but also an FPL to start the season. So I expect that he's going to go over the 10-goal tally from last season if he can stay healthy. And I think I'm currently struggling to figure out how I can fit him into my side to start the season, but it's definitely something I'm trying to work around uh, so that I can start with the Man United double up. How about you, Brian? Just a very cerebral and intelligent football player. He had so many goal opportunities where he was just in the right spot and using his head and just being on the other end of those Bruno crosses, it was something beautiful to watch, especially given Martial's down season last year. Um, you know, he came up huge for them. So at 8.5, if you're going to fit him into your squad, I would want him early because I think, you know, mid-season towards the, towards the end of it, he's really going to be struggling uh, between both Premier League and Champions League to get all those starts. So it might be a good differential to start the season with him but monitor how many minutes he's getting. Obviously, he can come off the bench and score, but 
eight and a half million, you want more of a assured start week in and week out. And now we're going to move next to Jesus. Jesus, one of the most confusing players in the Premier League year over year, every year. Uh, Bucks, what are you seeing from the Man City striker? Yeah, it's so interesting because he basically pushed Kun Aguero out at City. And yet I'm still confused on what kind of player he is. I think kind of Aguero is still better than he is at 33, even though Gabriel Jesus is only 24 right now. So he had nine goals. And, you know, I think it's interesting. The bet on bringing in Gabriel Jesus is that he is going to lead the line for City. And yet there's so many rumors swirling about potentially bringing in Kane. You know, Holland was mentioned. There's even talks about another striker we're going to talk about later in the episode, potentially being linked to the Etihad. So I think this is a clear stay away slash wait and see. My honest take from watching the games is that I actually back Phil Foden and Ferran Torres both. They're younger, and I think they're more clinical playing in kind of that false nine role over the the Jesus. But uh, listen, Pep trusts him. He's clearly trusted by the Brazilian national team as well. And he plays for a side that scores a lot of goals. So he's a strong differential option, but uh, he's a stay away for me. I think Jesus would have a much better FPL value if he was at a club where he was getting all the chances, right? We see some of these forwards like a Bamford, like, a, you know, maybe a DCL or a Watkins where they're the main man and they're getting service the ball from all over the pitch. In this side for Man City, there's so many talented players that can finish either inside the box, outside of the box, that he kind of gets lost sometimes and he doesn't make an impact on the pitch. So for me, this is not a player that I'm going to have throughout the season. You know, I respect that he will probably get about 10 goals, but they're going to be hard to predict. And he's not quite as nailed, I think, as some of the other options out there at that price tag. For sure. Okay, let's go to the next $8.5 million player, which is Lacazette for Arsenal. So we've seen what Ar- what Arsenal can do when Lacazette is really humming. He's produced, he found the net 13 times last season, totaling 129 FPL points. The concern with Lacazette is he is coming off a muscle injury, and he does often get rotated with Obama Yang. One of them will start, and you know sometimes one of them comes on for 30 minutes. That's a problem for FPL because if your player is benched. You want him benched. You don't want him coming in for a potential one-point haul when he's cost you $8.5 million. So I think there's a lot going for the Frenchman because, again, as we've discussed, there's a lot of excitement around what Arsenal could be going into this season. But I just think there is enough red flags that is going to make me wait and see. I want to see them prove it. I want to see that Lacazette is, in fact, fully healthy. And then, you know, at that point, I'll buy into the hype. Again, to mention all those red flags, he's probably a million too expensive from an FPL perspective. If he was 7.5, you'd really be like racing to get Lacazette into your team with all likelihood. But I think at 8.5, he's just a little too rich for my blood. How about you, Ryan? He's just not nailed. He's not a, a week in and week out starter. And that's what hurts him because he did have you know four or five double digit hauls last season. He's a pretty good pen taker as well. So when Aubameyang wasn't on the pitch, there was a you know series where he took a couple pens, converted them. And it's just a shame that he is not in a position where he is nailed because at 8.5, I would, I would definitely take a long look at him. But for now, 
the Frenchman's not going to be on my watch list even. And I think there are other, so many other Arsenal players right now that are garnering our attention. And for the long-term scope of the club, they need to develop those guys and get them more reps. So I see Lacazette being rotated in and out throughout the season and probably not an FPL um, asset for us. All right. Next up is Patrick Bamford. Brian, you mentioned him earlier. We like to refer to him as Patty B or Bam Bam. And he was one of the biggest price risers in the entire FPL game, getting 2.5 million bump from 5.5 to start last season, all the way up to 8 million this year. So Brian, why don't you wax poetically about Patty B? What an incredible season Patrick Bamford had coming into the Premier League for the first time. And he comes in and totals 17 goals and 11 FPL assists. He's also on pens and only converted two um, last season. He was two for two. So I kind of expect that number to potentially go up a little bit and get some extra goals. I mean, there's no reason why he shouldn't be at about 25 total returns this season as well. And I think his 8.0 price tag is justified. The tougher thing for FPL managers is deciphering whether they want to put that money in Rafinha or Harrison, who are kind of in that six to six and a half million pound range versus investing the eight up front for Bamford. I mean, ultimately, he's got those bushy eyebrows. He's got a smile on his face. He has a lot of chances. He just is in the right places, getting that service. And he's gone through streaks where his stats were down and his shots were down. But he he bounced right back, um, you know, after a few games. So managers who got in on him early last season and just kept him in that slot, must have had a really bright season. Yeah, I know. He he did wonders for my squad last season. The only concern I would say about Bamford is towards the end of the season, you saw you know, Bielsa ball and the style that Leeds play kind of started to take effect on his legs. He started getting a little more tired. And that's a concern because there's someone chomping at the bit to take his starting spot, and that's Rodrigo. Bamford is clearly the number one striker for Leeds. However, I think... Similar to some of the other players we've discussed, Bamford, you want to get him in on that early fixture run where they have good matchups. I think if you wait later in the season, there might be a higher chance of him being rotated. So just something to be mindful of, uh, kind of a deeper dive into FPL strategy, but also watching leads. They're a fun watch. Uh, They're a team that it's great to have FPL players on their squad because then you get to watch their matches with added interest. So he's definitely one to watch. He's he's a wonder. That brings us nicely to our 8 million striker, which is DCL, Dominique Calvert-Lewin, who plays for Everton. He also sees a solid price rise of 1 million after a breakout campaign. Brian, are you buying into the DCL hype? He's a quality player, for sure. He tallied 16 goals and 6 assists last year. He doesn't take that many shots, honestly. He's really known for his movement and he's a master tap in artist. That guy gets in the right places at the right time on passes from the likes of James and Dean and uh, Sigurdsson. And, you know, he's, he can be frustrating because if he doesn't get the service and you're watching Everton, you know, he's only going to have like one or two shots the entire game. Um, He can't really create his own overall. You know, I, I still like, I still like his prospects. He's a player that when he's central, he looked really good last season. When he was splitting up top with Richarlison, however, his stats dipped and his touches dipped and his goals dipped. So with Richie going to the Olympics now for the Brazil team, he should start the season as their lone striker up top. 
and be the target man. And I think that's a big deal for FPL managers. Your thoughts here, Bucks? Yeah, I like the way DCL plays. I love that he could score on headers from crosses at corners. He can really create chances out of nothing. That being said, like you said, Brian, he does have a tendency to become invisible in certain games against the tougher defenses and when he's not getting, you know, really set up nicely for kind of alley-oop chances. The concern here with DCL, like you mentioned, is that he is a little more expensive. And again, he plays for Everton, so they're a very hot and cold side. I guess the upside is that he can create goals out of truly nothing and at times last season, he was actually an interesting differential captain shout. So if he can have a repeat of form from last season and you're getting 22 goal contributions, you sign me up all day for a player that's $8 million. So that's really that's the positive and the kind of devil's advocate perspective on DCL. Anything else to add here? So the next player we're going to talk about at the 8.0 price tag is Danny Ings, who has had a lot of rumors swirling about him links to possibly Tottenham or Manchester City if he's going to leave Southampton. So this is a player that's very clinical, but also picks up a lot of injuries. And I think he's in that category with the likes of Antonio and the likes of Pulisic that really have troubling hamstrings that really drive you nuts because as soon as you bring them into your FPL team, they pick up that injury. You don't know the return timetable. You got to take them out. At 8.0, he's not a player that I'll be bringing into my squad. He did have 12 goals and four assists, but I don't think he has enough upside on Southampton, and they haven't made any transfers in the in the window to bring in some more attacking prowess. So it's a stay away for me. What about you, Bucks? Yeah, I agree. It's important to note that he also doesn't take penalty kicks. It seems like Ward-Prowse gets that responsibility. So there's just limited upside for Ings. He's a year older. He does tend to get those tough muscle injuries. And again, even in limited run, he still put up really nice totals, but they're just hard to predict. Southampton are a side that don't tend to pour in goals. So he's a clear stay away from me. But someone Brian did mention uh, that makes a nice transition is Mikel Antonio, but he's priced at 7.5 million. And I would say that if you knew that he was going to stay healthy for the time that you owned him on your FPL squad, he would probably be nailed on, I would say, 75% of FPL manager squad because he is that talented. He can pour in double-digit hauls, get that brace, sometimes even get a a perfect hat-trick. And in limited time, he got 10 goals with five assists for West Ham. He's really their only striker option so you know that if he's healthy he is going to play and he is probably going to get the full 90 however like brian says he sometimes has these issues where you just wish that he would get to the training room a little bit earlier so that you know he wouldn't be pulling up on these dynamic runs with another hamstring injury another you know groin injury and from fpl you only have 38 free transfers to make all season So if you're bringing in Antonio and then you have to get off him and move him out, that could be so frustrating. But the upside is clearly there with this guy. Yeah, Antonio is one of those players we just want to stick in LeBron James's hyperbaric chamber and just get his body perfectly toned, his muscles perfectly ready to play a long FPL season and take all those hits. I mean, he's a battering ram at times. He can fend off any center back in the Premier League and he, he does play with a smile on his face at times, and he's just one of those players that's easy to root for. 
But like you said, he's injury prone and that really makes it hard to, you know, fit him into your squad long term. He's the kind of player that you might want to start the season with, but knowing that that's a transfer waiting to happen eventually. So like you said, Bucks, only 38 frees throughout the whole year. You kind of want to use those on you know, other peripheral players. Going to make the difference to shoot you up the ranks. So wait and see on Antonio. I'm also curious to see what happens with Lingard and see kind of how their offense and attack shapes up. Now looking at another player at the 7.5 price tag is Ian Nacho at Leicester. Bucks, Nacho burst onto the scene last year and earns a massive $1.5 million price rise after a spectacular finish. Take it away. Yeah, amazing close to the season. He got 12 goals and two assists, and all of them came after game week 22 or later. When I saw this stat doing the research for this podcast, I actually almost fell off my chair because he was just a man on fire. He was like, if you got the extra hot sauce with the habanero sauce, with the ghost pepper sauce, he was that spicy towards the end of the season. He actually had nine goals, (laughs) nine goals in seven matches, which is absurd. So I think even at 7.5 million, he has huge FPL upside. He is a dynamic option next to Jamie Vardy to lead the line for Leicester. And I think now that Vardy might be kind of handing off more responsibility to Nacho, he's proven that he's earned it. I think that he's going to get great service. Leicester are going to have fully fit squad with a lot of attacking options to start the season. And I think Nacho is a player that can score with the ball at his feet and create chances for other players as well. So I think he's going to score a bunch of goals. I expect that he'll have well more than that 12 number by the end of this season if he stays healthy. And so 7.5 million could look like a bargain. I expect that if he gets hot again, he'll probably get close to the 8, 8.5 if he starts really netting in those goals game week in, game week out. I was most impressed with his playmaking towards the end of the season when both Barnes and Madison were out. You know, he was racking in the goals, but he was also just playing some perfectly weighted balls to Tielemans and to some of their other players when they were on the counter and just seems to be confident. And when you have a confident young striker who's finally getting his respect around the Premier League and finally seeing the back of the net on a consistent basis, it's a beautiful thing. So at 7.5, he's definitely in contention to be on my game week one team. And the next 7.5 million pound striker we're going to talk about is Raul Jimenez. He's back and that's great news for Wolverhampton and fantastic news just for the rest of the Premier League. He went down with a really, really scary injury last season and Wolves lost their identity after that. This is obviously kind of a wait and see for us until he can kind of get out there, get his sea legs back and really be the captain of Wolverhampton. Once again, he has the upside of 20 plus goals and assists. And he really has this knack of scoring goals in the clutch and is a player that doesn't need many chances. He's kind of like a Vardy of years past where he maybe gets one or two chances, but he's very clinical and can convert them. So what are you thinking here, Bucks, as we go into this new season? He's coming back from injury. Yeah, I want it to be successful. I want to see him kind of hit his stride again. He scored 17 goals with seven assists in 2019. So he clearly can pour them in. I think the interesting play is to maybe wait and see on Raul Jimenez. And then Wolves have a really interesting 
total swap of their fixtures in game week four. So it's interesting. You might want to wait, see how he's playing, see if he's getting chances, see if he's actually being able to go 60, 70, 80 minutes. And then potentially he's a great option to bring into your squad around that game week four marker. So that's something that I have already uh, kind of penciled in on on my kind of fixture and transfer planner. Um, but again, he's someone that I can't I can't be that risky to start out this season with so much unknown. He's coming back from injury. He hasn't played in a long time. And like Brian said, that was that was arguably one of the scarier injuries of the Premier League season. I thought that could have been a career ender. So it's just great to have him back in the league. And he's one of the ta- most talented strikers in the game. So good to have him back for Wolves. I'm really looking forward to seeing him back on the pitch with that kind of Peter Check looking helmet. Maybe we can put some, you know, wolf details on it, make it look really fierce, strike fear in his opponents. Looking forward to that as an aside there, Bucks. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. We're going on to one of our favorite strikers from last season. So we don't want to get too excited. But next man up is Ollie Watkins. He's also one of the other glut of strikers at this 7.5 million mark. And as I mentioned, we are big, we're a big pro Ollie podcast. Brian, I'll give this to you. I took all the Timo praise. So why don't you lavish some some joy onto Ollie Watkins? Ollie Watkins impressed all season long. Even when he had some dips, he was still picking up some assists. He ends with 14 goals and nine assists in his first campaign. And even when Jack went out, he managed to scrounge up some goals. Very hardworking player. His work rate is second to none, really, in the Premier League. And that's something that Bucks really respects. I myself am a little bit more lazy of a player if I get on the pitch, but uh, he was able to track back and get a lot of um, pressing done for his team and win the ball back for the villain. So as another 7.5 option, I'm just really excited to have these different players at this price point that I can easily swap to throughout the season. And that helps me kind of build my formation, knowing that there are other alternatives that I can move to in one move or just about if I have a couple of shekels in the bank. So Ollie Watkins will obviously get a huge bump if Grealish stays. And that's something that, you know, is also uncertain, but he's a, he's a great link up man and they have a budding partnership um, with another year under their belts in the premier league. Bucks, anything to add here? Yeah. I, I love the way he plays total gym rat fitness freak. The guy only didn't finish the full 90 for two game weeks all of last season, which is a crazy stat. Wow. And he actually, I'm just tired of listening to you say that Yeah, I'm sweating. Just even imagining having to run full 90, (laughs) 36 out of 36 game weeks. But uh, it's, it's actually interesting. He's one of the players that if you watch the games, those 14 goals and nine to six actually sound a little disappointing because he had, he had a hat trick and he also hit, I would say the post and crossbar almost 10 times. So this easily oh yeah let's let's not yeah, talk about I'm, I'm sorry but he easily could have really just like burst onto the scene i think watkins with a little more kind of you know luck one inch this way one inch that way could easily be priced at around 8.5 million so i think 7.5 is still a really nice bargain and yeah if, if villa can keep their talisman and grealish he seems like a must own uh or at least a, a close close to the top of your watch list uh, for all FPL managers. 
And with Buendia coming into the fold as well, that gives them actually maybe a creator on both sides of the pitch to get Watkins the ball. So that could free him up and unlock him even more this season. So wait and see there, but he's definitely on the watch list to start the season and somebody at that price point that you just love to see in one move. And another player that you can go to in one move is Callum the Truth Wilson at Newcastle, a team we always overlook in FPL, but they really brought some value last season. Bucks, are you considering Callum this season? So I've been burned before by making some big pronunciations that you don't bet on the bad teams for FPL purposes. But, you know, Cal Wilson and Joe Willock together, they made me look pretty dumb at certain points mm-hmm. last season. And they're both coming back. Preach. They're both, yeah, they're both fully fit. And I actually had to eat crow at certain points. I had Wilson in my squad. He did pretty nicely. He totaled 12 goals and six assists in, again, reduced game time. He didn't play the full season. And honestly, he was doing it. He was creating those 12 goals pretty much out of nothing. He was on an otherwise relatively miserable squad. They were fighting just to stay in the league for most of the season. Calm takes penalty kicks. And when he's healthy, he's just so clinical. He has one of the best noses for goal in the entire league. And he's a lock in that starting 11 every match. So he's not going to be rotated. He's not going to be rested. And he delivers. So I like this value a lot. He's probably not going to be on my team to start the season. Again, I have similar reservations about where Newcastle is going to finish the season in the table. But he is one of those players where I'm really grateful that he's at that price point where I'm going to be able to, like you said, fit him in. When I see some things, when I see some favorable fixtures for Newcastle, he's going to be one of those easy options to bring into your squad. I was very impressed the way that Newcastle kind of went from that relegation zone in the final third of the season. And then they just started banging in like two or three goals a game with ease against everybody, even against like Man City at the end of the season. So I was very surprised to see them kind of turning on offensively and with St. Maximin and Willock potentially. Wilson, these are some good attacking assets that we shouldn't overlook just because they're kind of on a bottom uh, quarter of the league. So take notes there. There is value there, and some players won't even go that route because they just only believe that there's value in the top of the table teams. But when you're looking to round out your lineups and find those strikers that fit in your price structure, this guy is right there. So, all right, I think that's the end of that player price bracket. We're going to take a quick break and then get to our economy plus options from the seven to six million dollar range. We'll be right back. And we're back. We're going to dive into the players price between seven and six million. And we're calling these guys the economy plus options. You know, they're not your junk lemon used car, but these guys are priced where they're very favorable if they get hot but they're probably not players you want to bank on delivering week in, week out. So to start us out, we have Chris Wood, and he actually tore it up at the end of last season for a stretch. He's the clear number one option at Burnley. That's only saying so much, but he did score 12 goals with three assists, including a hat-trick late last season. So he earns a 0.5 million price hike. He did net 138 FPL points, so that's pretty good value. And if you would have actually asked me, watching the end of the season so closely, the way Brian and I were, 
you know, mostly monitoring Chelsea and the top four finishes, I would have actually thought that Chris Wood had closer to 15 goals than 12, considering he had eight goals in eight game weeks, which again is just an amazing, amazing pace to be on. So I think we've mentioned this earlier regarding some of the other players for Burnley, but they're just such a tough team to predict. They've shown that they can play offensive, but really they pride themselves on being a staunch defense that, you know, gets one or two big chances. And, you know, hopefully they're clinical and they win the game. And otherwise, you know, if they aren't, then they probably are losing those games 1-0 or 2-1. So I think this $7 million price point makes Chris Wood and Che Adams, who we're going to get to next, they're kind of sandwiched between kind of two very deep forward price points. So that's a tough place to be. They're kind of in no man's land. And so the, Chris Woods is stay away from me. Brian, I think he's the same for you. And we can jump on to the next player, which is Che Adams. Yeah, just actually wanted a note for Chris Wood. He's a player, again, that we may overlook, but a lot of you know pundits last year jumped on him and really kind of rose up the ranks. So again, I think one of the things that we're going to try and do this season is not overlook some of these mid-table teams Obviously, we're not going to have double ups or anything, but don't be afraid to jump on the back of Chris Wood, who is a proven goal scorer in the Premier League. And that's something that we do back is that consistency year over year. And next up is Che Adams, who came up um, you know, with Southampton. He gets a full $1 million price rise on the back of nine goals and seven assists. He's not their number one striker. However, he, he was very consistent. I think in his second Premier League season, after he had a really disappointing entrance, there were times where even when Ings wasn't on the uh, pitch, he was he was a focal point and did pretty well for them. So again, a player that I might consider if Ings actually gets injured. If not, it's a stay away. And Southampton in general, I'm not, I'm not sure what to make of them. They start off hot, they go cold. They're just a little bit unpredictable for me as well. Anything to add here, Bucks? Yeah, I think Saints struggled to score goals in bunches. And if you're going to bet on their second or third scoring option, Ings, Ward-Prowse, and then probably Che Adams is the way that you'd structure the most likely guys to bang it in, I think you really want them to be scoring more goals. So he's a stay away from me. I agree with you. But he does get hot. And if something were to happen to Ings health-wise or if he does leave in the transfer market, I think Che Adams at $7 million is great value because you know he's going to play. He has a great work rate. And again, he's uh, he's locked in. $7 million is a good price point. But an even better price point is $6.5 million. And that's for the new man, the hype man, Tony from Brentford. He absolutely hauled in the championship. And I don't know much about him, Bucks. Enlighten me. Drop some knowledge on me and the listeners. What are you seeing? Because I'm seeing this guy all over different uh, Twitter teams and different Instagram teams. What's the allure? So Ivan Tony, 6.5 million. He banged in 31 goals and six assists last season. Mm. Again, it is the championship. However, he's coming from a pedigree from a team called Brentford. They are all about this money ball style. They're all about the stats dictating the way they play. So they're really attacking. They really press. And before him, who was the striker for Brentford? None other than Ollie Watkins. And obviously, we've seen what mm. Ollie has been able to do and produce coming to Villa from Brentford. So I think that there's a little bit of a trend. There's a little bit, you know, people are seeing in their crystal ball that, 
know, Tony had even better stats than Watkins in the championship, and Watkins delivered. And people are seeing that if Tony can continue some of his hot streak, he has a great work rate as well. He's clearly their talisman player. So again, I think there might be some justification to the hype around his FPL value. Contrarian opinion would say that, you know, he's coming up to the Premier League. He was only there for one or two games when he was on Newcastle. And, you know, clearly there's a huge jump up in difficulty facing uh, the average defense. And even just the teams in general are just much better on average week in, week out in the Premier League versus the championship. And there can be learning curves. But I think at 6.5, you're just you're blinded by the upside, by the potential. And Tony has that in bunches. Again, 31 goals, which is remarkable. I mean, if we could get another entrance to the Premier League a la Watkins or Bamford, and this is the next guy up, I would love that. That would be give me a reason to watch Brentford, to you know capitalize on the actual buzz the bees are making there. Nice. And um, hopefully they're a team that's you know actually fascinating with their money ball kind of style. And their manager is an ex-gambler. And that to me is a very interesting story to you know, go from a very risky analytical position to being at the helm of a English Premier League team. So very interesting uh, storyline to follow as Brentford joins the Premier League this season. One last thing on Ivan Tony is we mentioned Brentford. They play a really fun style of play. And I think a la Leeds last season, it's going to be cool to own a player like Tony on Brentford because then you're going to get to have some some juice when you watch them on a game week in, game week out basis. So we want FPL to translate to deepen your Premier League fandom and Tony's kind of the perfect player this season to get you an entrance into a new team that's joining the league. And with that, we can get to our next 6.5 player. I think there's a little less hype about him, but this is Tammy Abraham. And I think really the reason we want to talk about Tammy is because there's so much interest. There's so many rumors swirling about him getting a transfer away from Chelsea before the season starts. And I think this is an upside pick if he stays in the Premier League. Brian, you got any any takes on Tammy? You know, I think he's buried on Chelsea's bench and he would be better suited at this point in his career, mid-20s, to get a transfer elsewhere so he can get some more playing time. You know, he did have a, a very solid season for us a couple of seasons ago under Lampard, but in this Tuchel system, there's no spot for him. So he's, he'll always be a blue, but um, I, I would not be sad to see him go and get an opportunity elsewhere. Yeah, if he ends up on a side like Crystal Palace or West Ham for $6.5 million, that actually could be really good value. He would then likely, if he's at Crystal Palace, he'll lead the line next to Benteke. They're very complimentary players. Benteke is big and bruising. Tammy has a little bit of speed. He has some finishing prowess from the ball at feet. Um, other potential destinations are Aston Villa and West Ham, where, again, he could be kind of the second striker option, depending on what happens and how that team lines up. So I think there's a lot to like with Tammy Abraham when he gets his chances in the Premier League. The real question here is, is he going to get the opportunities? And $6.5 million isn't nothing, so you want to have a little more certainty than just uh, kind of slotting him into your side. Speaking of certainty, did you know there's another party in the forward club this year? <laughs> and that's the Pookie Party. It's back. The Norwich man who captured our hearts in 2019 when he scored 11 goals, is back. And he's only coming in at $6 million. 
Obviously, Norwich was very disappointing in their first year in the Premier League, and I'm not sure what else has changed, but they're back. So, Bucks, this is somebody, again, at six is very cheap. Um, I think he netted about 25 or 26 goals in the championship last season. So do you have any hopes that he could turn the party back on? I actually think Pookie is a really interesting player for FPL. I think he actually probably has more value in FPL than he does in real life because Norwich are the kind of team that don't score a lot of goals. But when they score, Pookie is often the one putting them in. And I think Norwich are just going to be a team that struggles this season. However, Pookie's on penalty kicks. He is clinical, and he has a proven track record of being able to put the ball in the back of the net for this side. I just think there's not enough talent around him for him to be really maximized. So he's a stay away for me to start the season. But you know, we saw how he played against Liverpool in that kind of dream match for Norwich in 2019. So you know, there's something to be said about him recapturing his form, being back up in the top division, and. Listen, I think I think he can deliver if you're brave enough to go with him as an FPL player. So you're saying he's not Finn-ished? Haha, I see what you did there. Come on, come on, Bucks. You're you're a dad. You gotta you gotta give me a cheap laugh at that joke. We're finished with this section though, <laughs> so let's uh let's go on to our our last talking point. And this is the bucket of budget bench fodder players. And there's really only two players that we want to highlight here. They're both priced between 5.5 and 4.5 million. And the first one in this group is Troy Deeney. He's at 5.5 million. You know, we like him a little bit because he looks like Fat Drake, but also because he has, (laughs) he does have a proven track. Fat Drake? (laughs) He has a proven track record of scoring goals in the Premier League. And it's interesting because he's kind of the only proven option at Watford for a striker. So I think, you know, we talked about some of these promoted teams. I think Watford are probably the team that is going to struggle most to score goals. But if Deeney's getting minutes and he is kind of their clear striker choice week in, week out, I think he's going to become appealing because he might actually also take penalty kicks. So for $5.5 million, if he has the chance to get penalty kicks, you know he's going to get minutes. That's an interesting kind of price arbitrage right there. However, I think that it's probably... You're asking for too much. You're being a little too optimistic if you're going to want to penny pinch here at your third forward option at $5.5 million and go Dini. You might as well just kind of write off that position, admit that you're going to go 4-4-2 most matches, and go with the next player uh, who Brian actually had in his team for much of last season, much to me trying to steer him otherwise, and that's Kieran Davis <laughs> at $4.5 million. Brian, what brought you to Kieran Davis Island last season? Look, I got obsessed with those mid-priced midfielders, you know, in the 5.5 to 7.5 range. And I just ended up in a kind of 3-5-2. So had some bench fodder. Kieran Davis came in. One game, he did come off my bench and he got me five points and I'll forever be a fan for that. So again, unless you're going to run two up top, don't bring in a guy like uh, Kieran Davis. But there are moments in your in your kind of side where you're wild carding and you're maybe go... You know, Vardy and Kane up top. So you might have you know, a 4.5 that you're just relying on to maybe get you a point or two, be your last bench slot. But as we've talked about before, the 4.5 bench fodder players, they're, they're the most value is in the defenders at that price point. So I would lean that way. Yeah, I was just about to say that. That's a great shout, Brian. And I think with that, we've come to the conclusion of our price reveal podcast. 
We've now touched on goalkeepers, defenders, midfielders, and in this episode, all the forwards you could ever ask for. So we really want to thank you for listening to our Striker Price Reveal pod. As promised, we're going to be revealing our initial squad shortly. So subscribe to the FPL Blues podcast on your preferred podcasting service. And you can also engage with us on Twitter and Instagram at FPL Blues Podcast. And bonus, look out, we are going to be dropping our official website, fplbluespodcast.com, in the coming days. So thank you for listening. Thank you for following along with our journey as we jump into this FPL season. And we look forward to speaking and getting to engage with you a lot more as the season gets closer to kickoff. We were a little bit long-winded there, Bucks, across uh, three different pods. Lots of players, lots of data to ingest. We hope you enjoyed this. Again, when we come out with our weekly pod, it's not going to be this long. So enjoy this on your own time as you start to tinker with your squads. And you know, make sure to keep track of all those uh, transfer news um, that are happening across the league, as we've kind of noted. And we look forward to actually kicking this damn thing off in about 30 days. Thank you very much for listening and catch you all soon.